Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Me in your Bibles, we got a brand new series, and I, I want to make sure that I don't get too, too, too much down the road of frivolity that I miss out on, on preaching this word to you. Uh, but we're in a new series right now called God With Us because it's the Christmas season, God With Us. So that, that verse has two locations, but we're going to look at the New Testament quote of the Old Testament uh, prophecy. So Matthew one twenty three, Matthew one twenty three says, "Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us, God with us." Now, if you know anything about the Christmas story, the Christmas story is that a virgin by the name of Mary was visited by the archangel Gabriel. And Gabriel said to her, uh, blessed are you, highly favored, because you're the virgin womb that is going to give birth to the Messiah. And he's going to save his people, and his name shall be, not Emmanuel, but his name shall be Yeshua. His name shall be Jesus. So the name Jesus means Savior. The name Jesus means Savior. But here, it's very specific, and it's specific for a reason. It's not a contradiction. It's a specification. God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. The Bible says in, in Proverbs 25, verse 2, that it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, and it is the glory of kings to search it out. So we know that, that this virgin called Mary gave birth to Jesus, who's the Savior. But the prophecy would be that this Savior, this child, this male child who would come into the world, his name would be Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So I say all of that to say this, that Jesus came to do more than just save you. Don't stop at salvation. Jesus came and he died on a cross to break the power of sin. The Bible says the handwriting that was against us, I'm not sure whether you realize this, heaven keeps brilliant records. I'm not sure if you realize that. Heaven keeps brilliant records. The Bible says that the first man in the New Testament to receive the Holy Spirit, the first Gentile, excuse me, to receive the Holy Spirit was a man by the name of Cornelius. He was a, he was a Roman centurion. And the Bible says that, that his generosity and his prayers had come up before God notarized. And so God says, when he looked through the ledger, he says, who's this, who's this Cornelius guy? Giving, praying, giving, praying, giving, praying. I think he's going to be the first guy that we're going to... The Bible talks about the books in heaven were opened. The Bible talks about there's a book that you want to make sure your name is in. It's in the Lamb's book of life. Now, let me just say this. If you read your Bible, which we encourage, and if you don't have one, like Pastor Michael said, you can go out and get one, and by, by you, the time you get to Deuteronomy 8.18, you'll find you'll have those $18. 
In fact, I want to challenge you, find 36 and pay it forward for somebody else. But if you read your Bible, which we, we always encourage, you will, you will actually find that, that uh, God is, 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 is wanting to bring incredible breakthrough to each and every single one of us. He's wanting, he's wanting you to, to move beyond just being saved. He, the, the handwriting that was against us, he took a nail to the cross. But the Bible says that, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life unless they are removed. It says blotted out or not found any longer, which means that God, from the moment you were conceived, had your name in the Lamb's book of life. You were meant to live with God for all eternity. You were meant to receive Jesus. When God saw you, he thought, yeah, my only begotten son hung on a cross to take your sin, your shame, your guilt. Duh, who wouldn't want to accept him? But there are people who don't want to accept him. So let me tell you, if you end up in hell, God didn't send you there. You paddled your own canoe there, sweetheart. You got there all by yourself. You rejected every signpost. You rejected every outreach. You, you have to spend a lifetime of rejecting him to get there. So, But you need to get saved. I, I love the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross so that every disqualification, every accusation the devil had before God, legitimate, legitimate, he could say to God, God, you can't let Jürgen into heaven heaven's a place of perfection have you seen Jurgen's imperfections he did this and he said that and he did this and on the freeway he wanted to flip the bird at people you know whatever and 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 you know what he's a hundred percent right he's a on my efforts I don't deserve heaven but the Bible says that Jesus Colossians took the handwriting that was against us and nailed it to the cross the cross was where Jesus bled his blood and so I'm not sure if you've ever had a document. I've spilled coffee on things and it's hard to read it. So it's really hard to, to, to ledger what, what's written there because there's the blood exactly because Jesus' blood has canceled out your sins. Who, just go ahead and give God just a praise that I'm grateful that Jesus. Now, if you haven't gotten saved, today is your day. Get saved. Now, let me just say this. Jesus died so that you could be free. Jesus came as a savior. But don't stop at just being saved. Because the Bible says his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. So the title of my message today is the Emmanuel algorithm. The Emmanuel algorithm. What I want to speak about today is what I call the X factor. The X factor. And, and the, reason, the reason I'm pre-motivated about preaching it is because I get persecuted all the time. And all it does is just confirms to me that I'm over the target. It just confirms to me. So, so if you say, oh, pastor, we're going to try and stop people persecuting you, don't stop them. It just encourages me. I'm like, oh, oh, that's good. Okay, I'm over the, thank you. Thank you. I'm over the target. So we get that way that awakened, at awakened church, they're all, you know, they preach that prosperity gospel. There's only one gospel and it's filled with prosperity. 
Yeah, at Awaken Church, you know what they preach? Yeah, yeah, have you noticed that everybody's good looking? Even seeing that Pastor Stacy, so good looking. Have you seen Pastor Luther Huntley? So, have you seen Pastor Michael? I think they're male mo- I think they hire male models to be their pastors. <laughs> Everybody smiles all the time. You can't be that happy and be a Christian. That's like, well, not at your church, obviously, but at this one. <laughs> the Bible says the way of life winds upward for the righteous, brighter and brighter unto the Brighter and brighter unto the, oh, you don't know it. Unto the perfect day. Brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. There are moments where I felt like this is perfect. When Leanne said yes, I'm like, this is the perfect day. When, when we found that she was pregnant with Jordan, oh my gosh, this is the perfect day. When Jordan was born, this is a, my life has been filled with perfect days. When Michael and Lisa Huntley said, yes, we'll be the campus pastors for East, perfect day. Does it get any better? Your life, according to the Bible, it's only religion that robs. What, what do you mean by religion? Let me explain it because I didn't do a good job in the nine. Religion is the fig leaves. Adam and Eve, when they sinned against God, realized they were sinners, realized they had separated, they were disconnected now from the source of life. So they went and they got fig leaves and sewed them together to make for themselves coverings. Religion is you covering yourself. The arrogance, the, the, the foolishness that man thinks, oh, I can provide my own covering in order to qualify for heaven. Do you, do you know how many times I went to mass? I did my Holy Communion. I did the, my confirmation classes. I, I went to mass every Sunday. I the holy water and, you know, really? Are you, if, if it's possible for you to good enough yourself to heaven, you're spitting. You are spitting on the cross of Christ. If there was any way that a human could cover himself to make it into heaven, do you think God would have allowed his only begotten son to be so brutalized and murdered upon the cross? The arrogance of religion. Religion spits on the crucifixion of Christ. Have nothing to do with religion. So that's why here we are fun and holy. We're fun and holy. I don't think they take things seriously. They're exactly because I don't like religion. God doesn't like religion. God wasn't looking down from heaven saying, you know what, Gabriel, the world needs more of religion. Doesn't need any more religion. Jesus didn't die to start a religion. Jesus died to sever a broken relationship. The Bible says he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. He wants to reconcile you to God. Religion is the fig leaves. Those fig leaves are a, are a poor substitute for his presence, for his presence. So today I want to talk to you on the Emmanuel, the God with us algorithm. So come with me in your Bibles. We're going to look at a number of scriptures. I've got stories and scriptures, but not enough time to get through them. So the first thing I want to uh, speak. Scripture is 1 Samuel 18, verse 14. If, and guys, if you can just fly through these as, as we put them up. This, this is David. David is the eighth son of Jesse. 
And the Bible says that David to continue to succeed. Everyone say succeed. He continued to succeed in everything he did for the Lord was with him. Didn't say David continued to succeed because he graduated from the finest university, college. He had a Harvard business degree. Didn't say that David succeeded because he got a break at Wall Street and he became an, an inside trader. Didn't say that David succeeded because he was so intelligent. He was more intelligent than everybody else. It says that David succeeded because the Lord was with him. This is a word for anybody here who has felt overlooked. David is the eighth son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite. Jesse has seven sons to a particular lady. And then when it lists David's mother, the name of that woman is different to the other seven's mother. There's an inference that David is the son of an affair, is the son of an adulterous relationship, which would make sense that when Samuel, when Shmuel the prophet says, I'm coming into town, one of your sons is going to be anointed king of Israel, that, 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 that Jesse brings out his legitimate children before, and then he sends his illegitimate as far away as he can to go and look after sheep all the way out there, trying, thinking he can hide his transgressions from the prophet. But the Bible says that where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. So there's no grace on these boys because he produced them. But here in the transgression, the kid who was stained, he had no choice how he came into the world. He didn't have a say on how he came. He's just here. But there's a grace for him because he's out there constantly rejected, constantly disdained by his brothers. And so he would just worship with the harp. And so God found a worshiper out looking after the sheep. And God says, reject, 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 reject seven times. And then Samuel says, is there still another? There's got to be one more. He says, well, actually, there's, there is the youngest, but he's out there with us. Bring him in. We will not. And when they bring David in, he says, this is the one. And the word of the Lord says, this is the one. Arise and anoint him. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord came upon David. That same David slew giants. So I want you to know today, if you've been overlooked, maybe you come from dysfunction. Maybe you come from brokenness. Maybe you were the result of an affair. You don't need to be aborted. Maybe you were the result of rape. You don't, need, you, you, you don't solve one crime with a second one. You don't murder because there was a rape or injustice. Can I just tell you, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. Where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And so the anointing of God comes upon David, and David has success everywhere he goes, for the Lord was with him. Samuel, the, the prophet who prophesied this, Samuel is a breakthrough baby. Breakthrough baby. But, but, but Hannah, his mama, made a covenant with God. She said, if you would just... End my barrenness and give me a son. I will lend him to the Lord all the days of his life. And the Bible says she conceived and gave birth a son. And what I love about Hannah, Jake Shooty, is she's a vision builder woman. You know how I know that? Because she, she made a commitment. No one was around. She was alone in the temple. She was alone in the temple. She could have got pregnant and said, you know, when you're driving around, you're like, God, if you give me a parking spot, I'm trying to do Christmas shopping and there's no parking spots anyway. Lord, I promise I, I won't eat junk food. I, I promise you I'm not going to cut. Oh, never mind. Here's one. And you pull in. 
She could have done the same thing. She's now pregnant, but she follows through. She, fought, she made it, so she brings Shmuel down to, and gives him to Eli. Eli, his, his kids are jacked up. I, I'd be like, i got a grandbaby. I would not let Eli raise my son. I'm just saying. My grandson is, not, keep him away from Eli. His own kids are jacked up. Why would I give him another one? But the Bible says that the Lord, put it up, 1 Samuel 3, 19. The Lord was with Samuel. And did not let one of his words fall to the ground. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't know if you, if you can even get that. So let me just explain this. The, the prophetic has multiple levels. The prophetic has multiple levels. The, the first realm of the prophetic is in the realm of hearing. That you will hear a word and you'll speak the word. That's the first realm. That's the easy realm. You can all prophesy. So just so you know, all of you can. All of you can learn to incline your ear to the Lord, hear a word and speak it. That's the first realm. The second realm is, is, is uh, for those who, who there's a, con, a higher level of consecration. And that's where you see, where you become a seer, where you see the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, says, son of man, what do you see? The word of the Lord came to Joel, son of man, what do you see? The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and see. So see, I can do this, see. So God will make you a seer and then you speak what you see. You speak what you see. There's a whole nother realm though. There's a whole third realm that is reserved only for those who the Lord is with. The Bible says the Lord was with Samuel and did not let one of Samuel's words fall to the ground. There's a realm where whatever Samuel prophesied, whether it came directly from God or not, God's like, yeah, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, I can make that happen. In my life, probably one of the things that I've treasured the most is that. Is, is that realm. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a humbling thing. I know that the Lord is with me. Come with me now to, to the book of Genesis, chapter 39. Maybe you're here today and you've been overlooked. Maybe you've been betrayed. Maybe you're in a season of injustice. Joseph is a type of Jesus. He's, he's one of the 12 sons of Jacob. We know that Israel, Jacob, has 12 tribes. 12 sons become 12 tribes. From that one would come one, a son, who has grace and favor on him, chosen by the father who would be ostracized and rejected by the 11, thrown into a pit. It's a, it's a, it's a prophetic foretelling of Jesus Christ. But Joseph is thrown into a pit and his brothers plot to murder him. They plot to kill him. And instead, at the last minute, they sell him for 30 pieces of silver. See the all right, so they sell him. But he's not just sold once. He's sold to the Ishmaelites. Then he's sold a second time by the Ishmaelites to an Egyptian. This Egyptian's name is Potiphar. He's Pharaoh's chief executioner. So he is now a slave. He's a double down, confirmed, not once, but twice. There are two title deeds. Boom, boom. You are a slave. Confirmed, you are a slave. Just give up any hope of freedom. You are a slave. But the Bible says, go, go to Genesis 39. The Bible says, and the Lord was with Joseph 
in Potiphar's house. And Joseph succeeded. See that word again? Succeeded in everything that he did. In fact, the next verse says, and his master, Potiphar, when he saw that the Lord, this is not a religious man, when he saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that everything under his hand flourished, he put everything. It's almost like you're at a roulette table and it just keeps coming up, the same 47 plaque. And so you just put every, you put all your chip. That's what Joseph was because the Lord was with him. If you said to me, hey, pastor, what's the secret to success? You don't got to go to a success seminar, save your money. It's live a life where the Lord is with you. When the Lord is with you, you will have success. That's why I love it when the people preach against, oh, awakened church, you know, prosperity. I'm like, wow, well, you know, if you just live a life where the Lord is with you, you'll have success too. But, you know, do you know how many pastors... All right, let me just say this. Let me just say this. Let me say this. In Exodus 33, Exodus 33, God says to to Moses, he says, Moses, the people are whining and complaining again. Like, these people are a stiff-necked, rebellious, hard-hearted people. You know what? You know what? I'm going to keep my end of the bargain. I promise you I'd get you out of Egypt into a land flowing with milk and honey. So let me tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to send my angel ahead of you. And my angel will clear the path. My angel will go ahead of you and he'll lead you into the promised land. And he will protect you from all the enemies. You'll defeat all the enemies around about. And you're going to go and possess the promised land. And, and, and it's going to be a land of abundance, a land flowing with milk and honey. So he, he's talking about possessions. He's talking about prosperity. He's talking about promises. And he's talking about protection. And Moses, Moses says to God, no deal. And God's like, I beg your pardon? And Moses says, no deal. Unless you go with us, I ain't going up. And God's like, what? And Moses is like, God, I lived in Egypt. I grew up with stuff. I was the prince of Egypt. I grew up with the finest gold. My feet walked on marble floors. All my utensils were made of the finest gold. I drank out of of palace chalet. The greatest in the palace belonged to me, but I didn't have you. I don't want the stuff. I want God. Do you know how many places they don't mind if they got the prosperity, they got the promises, they got the protection, they got the provision of God, but they don't have the person. Let me tell you, I'll trade, I trade everything I have for him. You trade everything, everything, everything that God's given me, I trade. You know why? Because I'd get it all back. Get it all back. But you don't want to trade him for everything you got. What does it profit a man if he gaineth the whole world and forfeits his soul? You want God. You want God. You want God. Oh, man, I've got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. Got to keep moving. So Joseph now is in prison. So now, now, now he gets falsely accused. They throw him in prison. Have a look at this. He's, he's in prison, falsely accused of attempted rape when he was righteous. He didn't do anything. In fact, he tried to talk her out of it. He's like, woman, what are you, listen, what are you doing? Your husband has put me as steward over everything in this house except for you because you are his wife. How can we do this sin against your husband and against God? But she didn't care day after day, day after day. 
And so finally she corners him in the house and he runs and she grabs his coat. And when he flees, he leaves his coat in her hands. Now she realizes, uh-oh, if he goes out there and tells what happened, I'm dead. Because the penalty in the Middle East for a woman committing adultery has not changed in thousands of years. Today, it is still death by execution. She knows if Joseph talks, she dies. So she has to make up a story that the Hebrew slave you bought came in here and tried to rape me. Joseph kept his mouth shut again because Jesus, when he was on the cross, and they're like, come down and save yourself, then we'll believe you. Jesus is like, if I come down and save myself, you perish, nitwit. I have to stay here to save your little accusing doofus. Anyway. Jesus kept his mouth silent. Joseph kept his mouth. Now he's in a prison. He's abandoned in a prison. But have a look at what it says. 39, I think it's 21. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. The Lord was with Joseph in the prison. At Joseph's lowest low, at the the height of his abandonment and injustice and cruelty from the world around about, you imagine you get sentenced to do time for a crime that you didn't commit. Your reputation is blemished. Joseph is a convicted felon for attempted rape. Do you really think someone's going to hire him? So, what have you done the last five years? Oh, you've been locked up in a penitentiary. What have you been doing? Oh, attempted rape, it says here. Yeah, we'd love to, we'd love to make you our HR manager. <laughs> Do you really think anyone's going to hire the guy? Against all hope. But watch this. Against all hope, Joseph's not hopeless. Because the Lord was with him and caused everything, everything under his hand to prosper, so much so that he found favor with the, 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 the top guard and he put everything under Joseph's hand. Gideon. Let's go to Gideon. Judges 6. I'll, I'll miss, miss, jo- miss Joshua and I'll come back to it. Judges 6, 15 and 16. Who is Gideon? Gideon, let me tell you, Gideon is a prophetic word for, for East County. Gideon is a prophetic word for East County. Gideon is the benefactor. He's the inheritor of a generation of dysfunction and rebellion before him. When, when we came to East County, we noticed that the, the, the addiction rates, the drug abuse rates, and the homeless rates were higher here than all the other counties. That there was a, there was a, a, a dysfunction that most of us have inherited. Most of us ha- have inherited. I... I was the son of an atheist, you knew that, but I was also the son of a migrant family. My mother and father moved from Germany to Australia. They couldn't speak a lick of English when we moved to Australia. We lived in a hostel because we didn't have a home. We didn't have a home. We had no friends. We knew nobody. 
We get to Australia and then we have to start again. They have no money and they have to start again. And so they don't know the language. They don't know the culture. They don't know anything. So we, my dad bought some land and he got it cheap because the septic sewer for the entire neighborhood was in our yard. So every week a big truck would come and pump the sewerage from the entire, everybody's poop from the entire neighborhood was in our yard. That's why he got it cheap. So we grew up in, in a very, very poor place. I had a poverty mentality when I got saved because, because that's all I'd ever known. But I discovered that when I got saved that Yeshua, that Jesus wasn't just my Savior. I discovered that He wasn't just my Savior. I discovered that He's a deliverer and the way that He delivers is with His presence. So I found that, I found that if I lived a life where His presence came, that just like here Gideon says to God, he says, God, because the angel says to him, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. He says, the Lord is with me. Now he actually responds, he says, the Lord is with us. He can't believe that God is with him. The angel didn't say the Lord is with you collectively. He says, God is with you, Gideon. He's like, the Lord is not with us. Where are all these miracles which our fathers told us about? But I've inherited all I've known from a little boy growing up is the Midianites come in with the Amalekites and all the people of the East every year at harvest and they consume everything and leave no sustenance. We live in caves, we live in dens, we live in strongholds in the mountain and there's no food, there's nothing left over. And here I am threshing wheat in a wine press. Are you sure? I think the God has forsaken us. And the angel says, go in this might of yours and you save Israel from the hand of Midian. Have I not sent you? And he's like, did you even hear a word I just said? How can I go? I'm the least in my father's house, the least in my clan. And so the angel says to him again, the Lord is with you and you shall defeat Midian like he's one man. When God is with you, can I tell you, generational cycles of poverty and addiction and dysfunction and brokenness and hopelessness are broken, are severed when the Lord is with you. What's the answer? Is it more methadone clinics? No. Is it needle exchange programs? No. You know what the answer is? The presence of God. If God, if people were just in, in East County, turn to God and value His presence, they could be delivered, they can be healed, they can be set free, they can go from poverty to prosperity, that's why we preach what we preach, man, I'm running out of time, Jesus, God says to Joshua in Joshua 1.5, you know, Joshua's taken over from Moses and he says, as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you, Joshua, and no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, I love all the, the people that I meet that tell me what I can't do in San Diego, what can't be done in San Diego, I'm like, thank you. Because you're 100% right. Man has said this can't be done. And man has said, but I'm not with man. I'm with God. The Lord is with me. And because He's with me, no man shall be able to stand against me. Keep telling me what we can't do. And then you can kind of rewrite the playbook as we go. So number one was the power of His presence. Number two is the price of His presence. The price of His presence means you've got to make sure you don't settle for religion. What is religion? Religion is a substitute for presence. Religion is, is where it's all the external accoutrements. Praise the Lord, brother. How you doing? Oh, blessed and highly favored, pastor. Where, where, where it's, all, it's all the fake it. It's all the, it's, it's a shallow, it's a facade, it's the external. 
It's, it's, it's a horrible substitute. Adam and Eve sewed fig leaves together to make themselves coverings, not realizing. They, they, they thought they could fool God. What, what, what do you mean? Why we're wearing fig leaves. I'm not naked. You're naked. I'm not, you're naked. You're a little touchy there, Adam. Because they really think that God can't see that the fig leaves that were once attached to the fig tree were snapped off from the source of life and the end of the leaves were already beginning to brown. Just like they had been snapped off and severed through sin from the source of life and death was already coming in to their cells. God's like, you're going to cover yourself in dead stuff? You're going to cover yourself in something that can't cover you? You can't settle for religion. Settle for nothing else than Emmanuel, than his presence. There's a price to his presence. The Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. The Bible says that Enoch, Enoch, walked with God. And one day as he walked with God, he was no more, for the Lord took him. One minute he is out walking on mountains, and the next minute he's like, my God, where am I? This looks like Italy. Capri? Positano? Amalfi? Where am I? And God's like, well, I just thought you might want to check out where I live. But, you know, you can go back. He never came back. If you watch the, the aircraft that land on the aircraft carriers, you may notice this, that there's no cargo boxes and debris on the, they clear it. They, they clear it so the planes can land. The landing strip of the Holy Spirit is holiness. Bible says, who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and innocent heart. There's a price to the presence. You might say, well, pastor, you know, the price. I, I, I'm telling you, there's no sin. Are you kidding me? There's no sin that's worth his presence. Are you kidding me? There's no drug, there's no sex, there's no booze, there's no pleasure, there's no stuff that is worth sacrificing him. Have a look at this scripture, Judges 16.20. Judges 16.20. It's a guy by the name of Samson. Samson is a Nazarite to God from the womb. There are three things that, that he's not meant to do. He's not meant to drink wine. He's not meant to touch anything that is dead because it's unclean, and he's not to, to cut his hair. We find Samson in a vineyard, <clears throat> so he's already scratched out one. Then the Philistines come against him, and he looks down, and he sees the jawbone of a donkey carcass decomposing, and he reaches out his hand into an unclean carcass and takes what is unclean, 
and Spirit of God comes upon him because where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. And poof, poof, just, so, but it's it, eh, strike two. The last one is his hair. And the Bible says, finally, after he tells Delilah, okay, well, my hair has never been cut and I'm a Nazarite. She shaves off his locks and then it says this. And then she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he awoke from his sleep and he said, I will go out as before, as at other times, and I'll shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. If you said to me, hey, Pastor Urian, what, what would you say is one of the scariest places to be on planet Earth? Maybe in the ocean, surrounded by great white sharks that are in a feeding frenzy. That'd be a pretty dangerous place. Maybe it's in a barrel going over Niagara Falls. That'd be a pretty dangerous place. But I'll tell you, there's a place far more dangerous than those. The most dangerous place to be on the planet is where you sin and feel no conviction. How did Samson not, not realize that God had departed from him? Because his whole freaking life, he had live, lived transgressing the boundaries, flirting with sin, flirting. And at first he would have felt convicted. At first he would have been reminded of his covenant. At first he would have reminded of his consecration. At first he would have been reminded that, 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 that you're a Nazarite. But, but, but he just kept until he just numbed it, until he dulled it, until he numbed it, until it became so faint so that when God left him, he didn't even realize he had no... You may say, oh, you know, what I don't like about, you know, is, you know, I feel guilty when I lie and I feel guilty when I do this and I feel, man, no, 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 no. That's a gift. That's a gift. Thank God. Thank God that every time I transgress, every time I feel conviction, you don't block that out. You run towards that. Lest you find yourself in Samson's shoes where you didn't even realize the Lord left you. One day you will stand before God and you don't want to stand there uncovered. Your fig leaves can't handle the heat on that day. The only thing that can cover you on that day is Yeshua. You want to make sure that you lived a way that pleased Him. There's a price to the presence. But point number three, there's a person. There's a person of the presence. One of my favorite Christmas stories is called A Tale of Three Trees. And it just illustrates point three so well. That there was these trees up on a hill. And the trees on, on the hill one day were talking. And the center tree says to the tree on his left, he says, Oh, what, what do you want to be one day when, when, when you're chopped down? And there was a woodcutter who lived nearby who every year would come, chop down wood, and he'd sell it in the marketplace. And the tree on the left said, Oh, oh you know, my dream is that when I'm chopped down, and they use my word that I become a treasure chest. I, 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 just see, I just see myself as this beautiful treasure chest that holds the finest treasures the earth has ever seen. 
And the middle tree's like, wow, that's amazing. He says to the tree on the other side, well, what about you? He says, oh, when I'm chopped down, I want to be made into a ship. Into a, into a giant ship that sails the seas through the roughest storms. And I carry kings. I carry nobles and dignitaries. These, these merchants, as they travel from continent to continent to, to do business, to expand their kingdoms, that's my dream. And then the two trees says, well, what about you? What do you want to be when you're chopped down? He says, well, I hope I never get chopped down. I, I just want to stay on, on this hill and have my branches pointing up to God so that when anybody looks at me, they look to God. Well, the woodcutter came and he saw the first tree and he said, oh, perfect. He chopped the tree down. He took the wood and he sold the wood. But instead of making that tree into a treasure chest, they end up making that tree into a feeding trough for animals. Instead of being filled with gold and jewels, it was filled with hay and straw and the saliva of animals as they frenzied around eating. A year passes and the woodcutter comes up again and he sees that this tree he says, oh, perfect. And he chops down this tree. He takes it down. Instead of making this giant ship that carries kings, they make it into a little boat. And instead of being on a big open sea, it's in this lake that they call a sea, but and he's just filled with fish. It's a fisherman boat. It doesn't carry kings or merchants. just carries fishermen. It's filled with smelly fish. A year passes. And the woodcutter takes his same axe. And he ascends the hill. And the tree's like, no, no, no. And he's trying to stand all tall. He's trying to say, no, no, please don't cut me down. I want, I want to stay here. Please don't cut me down. And the woodcutter just kind of looks around and says, well, for what I need, the contract I have, any tree will do. He says, yeah, this one will do. He's like, no, 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 please. Chops down that tree. And they take it down to the machine shop and they just turn it into just two pieces of lumber. And it just sits in a yard. It sits in a yard for decade after decade after decade. One day, there's all this commotion, all this crowd. All of a sudden, this young teenage girl comes bursting in with her husband. And her waters are broken, and she's gone into labor. And she gives birth. And they wrap this little baby in swaddling cloths. And then they lay him. They, the husband clears out all the straw and lays him in this feeding trough. And then all of a sudden, the feeding trough realizes, oh, my God. Angels are watching from heaven, gazing on the greatest treasure the earth has ever held. Dream comes true. 30 years later, fishermen get into a boat, and there's a carpenter's son who gets under the boat with them. And there's a storm, and the little boat, he's, he's doing his best, but the waves are beating, waves are beating, and they're taking on more water, and the fishermen are, are trying to bail the water, and the, and the little boat, no matter how hard he tries, he realizes, oh, my God, this is probably it. This is where we're, we're going to go down. I'm going to die just with fishermen. Oh, my, dream, my, not, my dream died long ago, but now, but then all of a sudden, the man who's asleep on the front, on the stern, gets up, lifts his hands and says, peace, 
be still. And immediately the wind and the waves obey him. And then the boat realizes. I'm not just carrying a king. I'm carrying the king of all kings. I'm carrying the king of heaven. And together they went through the storm to the other side. My dream came to pass. But just three years later, that same man is sentenced to death. And they say, the time is ready. Go down to the lumber yard. They take the longer beam and they put it in a hole. And then they take the shorter beam and they put it on this man's back. His back is bloodied by the stripes from the Roman cat of nine tails. And his bloodied back now lifts up this piece of wood and carries it to the top of the hill where they nail him to the cross. He dies six hours later. They pull his body down and they put it in a tomb. But he rises again on the third day. And today, anybody that looks at this tree, that tree points towards God. It points towards heaven. All three of them thought that their dreams were dashed, that life had dealt them an unfair hand, that life had dealt them a losing hand. But in every single one of them, it was when the person of the presence. I got to tell you, what God is doing in Awaken is so far above my pay grade. All I know is that he can come into a broken, migrant, son of an atheist heart and life and bring extraordinary. When you receive Jesus, he redeems what is lost. He redeems what is broken. He redeems what you've given up on. And he turns ordinary into extraordinary. Please, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ, friend, you're here today to do that. You are on assignment. You may think, well, somebody invited me or I drove by. No, no, no. God had sent angels touching, prompting, drawing you to this moment, to this day. Give your life to Christ. Maybe you said, my life is so broken. It's so far gone. It's so hopeless. Friend, I'm telling you, what is impossible with men is possible with God. He's the X factor. He's the Emmanuel algorithm. He's the one that takes ordinary into extraordinary. Give your life to Christ. Maybe you once walked with God, but you're away from God. Come back. Maybe you're here and you're just far from God. Friend, don't walk out the same way you walked in. The Christmas message is that God loves you. He saved you. But his heart is to be with you. And if you pay the price to have him be with you, you'll find success, blessing, prosperity, and breakthrough in every area. So if you're one of those four categories of people, you've never given your life to Christ, you once did, you once walked with Him, but you're away, you're far from Him, or you just need forgiveness and a new start today, would you quickly raise your hand while every head is bowed and every eye closed, and I'll see your hand, I'm going to say a prayer for you, and then I'll close the service. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, darling, I see that hand. Who else is there? Would you just lift your hands high? Thank you through there. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you up the back. Thank you. Thank you through there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Thank you over there. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand. God bless you. I feel like there's still... Thank you, beautiful. I see your hand. I feel like there's still 
one more, this one more. God is going after somebody. Who is that one? You just feel like this tug on your heart. Your head is kind of arguing with your heart right now. Can I say, listen to your heart. Thank you, darling. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So many hands. So many hands. Church, can we stand to our feet? Can we stand to our feet? There are so many of you that just raised your hands. I want to do something. I want to pray for you. And I want to make it today not just personal, but powerful. But for me to logistically get to all of you people that just raise your hands, it's going to be a little bit difficult. So can we do this? Can we kind of meet halfway? If I actually get down off this stage and I come and stand down here, those of you that raise your hands, would you come and meet me and let me shake your hand and pray for you? If you brought somebody that raised their hand, would you bring them? If you're sitting with someone that raised their hand, would you bring them? Or if you raise your hand and your friend didn't see, would you ask them to walk with you? But church, can we put our hands together as people just begin to come up the back and on the sides? Come on, just begin to come down. I promise I won't bite. Can we put our hands together for these beautiful people? I'm so proud of you, so proud of you, so proud of you, so proud of you. God bless you, so proud of you, so proud of you, so proud of you, so proud of you. Come on, let's put our hands together properly for these beautiful people. Let's say these words out loud. Let's say these words. Let's say, dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that you so love me. You sent Jesus Christ your only son, to die on the cross in my place. Lord Jesus, thank you that all my sins are forgiven, that I am delivered from all the power of the evil one. Today I am clean. I am free. I am forgiven. I am a child of heaven. And Heavenly Father, I invite you to live with me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.